everybody. Welcome to the Pierce of Mind podcast. My name is Matt Pierce, and I am so glad you came to hang out with me tonight so we can discuss treatment and how it's going, where we're heading, and what is new. So today was kind of a bad day. I mean, honestly, it was probably one of the most depressing days of my entire life. I am in this just black hole that I can't get out of. And I don't know how, I've never felt this kind of sadness, this kind of pressure on my chest, this kind of hopelessness. Um, We found a surgeon who might be able to do my surgery for my weight loss surgery and my gallbladder, but they want me in Alabama for like some time after surgery. Uh, so we'd basically, I'd have to either rent an apartment here. We'd have to move here. Um, don't know what that looks like yet, but, uh, basically things are not in our favor right now and I don't have any control of anything and I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling not knowing where I'm going, what I'm doing. Am I going to do PHP anywhere? Are they going to let me do it anywhere? Am I going to get any kind of support? Or if I'm just going to get thrown back into the real world so I can fail like I did last time. I mean, I don't want to fail, but that 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 transition back to the real world directly from residential is, I mean, it is a thing. It is a slap in the face. It is an aggressive move um, that I'm just not ready for. Um, so we have a meeting scheduled tomorrow with myself, Kim, my treatment team, I believe, uh, the nursing team leader and maybe one of the doctors, just a little bit of everybody to try to give an update, I guess, on what they're kind of thinking about and where they're thinking about us heading and what that looks like. I'm not expecting that to be a fun meeting or a meeting where I hear anything that is good for me. I am really feeling left out to dry. And my trust level right now for this place is at an all-time low. That being said, um, I did have some groups today. And we had a couple of good discussions. And a couple of things came up that I honestly thought were pretty interesting. One of the things we talked about was... Someone, you know, someone came, kind of popped out of the group and said, none of us deserve this. None of us chose this. And that hit me all wrong. Because honestly, I do feel at some point I did make a choice to use food for coping. Um, before it got out of control, um, I started, I would, I'm sure at some point I made a decision that, hey, I would have, you know, stop at McDonald's because it would make me feel better. And then it just slowly got out of control um, to where I started hiding, sneaking food, going to my grandma's house and sneaking food out of there, especially when she, when she was out of town because um, I could always get in the side door. So I would go in the side door. And one good thing about Grandma and Grandpa, I mean, really everything was good about Grandma and Grandpa. They were the best people, just the best loving people. And, but (laughs) Grandpa liked his snacks just as much as I did. So that place was always 
hooked up with snacks. So I would go in there and I would have a snack or two and watch some TV and just kind of get away from the chaos of the house. But I made a choice at some point, and then it just, it did get out of control. And, you know, that kind of led to this discussion about um, food being like a drug for me. And like how I can only imagine like someone who's dealing with a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, you know, I think you start off where, you know, X amount of drinks or X amount of whatever gets you crazy high and numbs you and takes you where you're trying to go to get rid of the pain. And then slowly but surely, like, those, it takes more and more and more frequency. And that's kind of what food did for me. Like, you know, a, a good binge would last me a few days at first, probably, if I really sat down and thought about it. Uh, maybe even like a week, honestly. I don't know. But I know that I wasn't binging as much when I was younger, honestly, until my probably my first. I didn't, <clears throat> that's a tough one. Maybe after like my first marriage, my binging started to get more frequent because I had all this pressure, all this depression because I just lost this you know thing. I had lost contact with my daughter. Um, my marriage didn't work out. I had all these responsibilities, and the stress was something that I just wasn't prepared to handle. And so at that time, I think that's when the binge is starting getting a little bit more often. And the weight started coming on, you know, creeping, creeping, creeping to next thing you know, 400 plus pounds and then bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, and then I think about really when we decided I needed help, which is probably too late or later than I should have asked for help. But, you know, my binges were constant. It was go to the doctor. Stop at McDonald's before I go to the doctor. Have my doctor's appointment. Stop at Burger King on the way home. You know, go home. Kim's up getting ready for the day. Let's have some breakfast. And I would, you know, and then I'm hiding shit. I'm hiding food in the car. I'm sneaking and throwing it away in trash cans, like at the baseball field across the street uh, from my neighborhood. And it was just constant. Like, I needed to feed it because I was so sad and overwhelmed about the, all the doctors turning me down, just turning me away. You're too fat to help. And here I find myself in it again. And, of course, I want to binge right now. I'd be lying if I told you I didn't. Thankfully, I can't. But the urges are there. And when I can't... When I have to sit in those feelings, oh my God, it's so hard. It's so hard to sit there and think about what I have coming up. Because I made this mistake of reading about what this disease does and how it takes you out. And let me tell you, folks, it's not pretty. It's pretty ugly and pretty painful. There's a lot of suffering involved. And so I started thinking about that. And it kind of goes back to, you know... This whole thing we were talking about today was, do I deserve this? And part of me uh, really thinks I do. For all the ugly I put out in the world when I was younger, 
how shitty I was to any customer service person on the phone, how I would lash out at people I loved or friends for dumb shit because I couldn't control my emotions. I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't deserve a little bit of this and this wasn't karma coming back. And thankfully I found out I wasn't the only one that felt that way. That's a tough thing to like realize or think about is like maybe I initiated this. Maybe my bad will and my shitty uh, handling of my emotions put this all into motion. And now karma's coming back and saying, okay, Matt, you put all this ugliness in the world, now we're going to put it back on you. And it's going to take you out. Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do there. I can't, I can't take it away. You know, I can't... Uh, apologize enough you know i think about my ex-wife and how much i've apologized to her and she does only sees me as a 19 year old self i know people who have known a lifetime who only see me as that asshole and that's fair because i was really ugly you know my wife has seen a little bit of my ugly but she's also made me the best person i've ever been and i'm still apologizing to her because putting her through this again making her deal with lose possibly losing somebody and taking care of them when they're on their way out and you know becoming my caretaker it breaks my heart and i see the sadness in her eyes when we just when there's really a sense of no hope for both of us and we're running out of options and we don't know what to do and all she wants to do is find an answer. And I can see it in her eyes. I can see it in everything that she's realizing that maybe we're going to lose this one. It won't be for her lack of effort. That woman's looking up everything possible um, to try to find solutions. Um, she is, God, that woman is a fucking saint. Like, she just, the world doesn't deserve people like her, I'll be honest with you. That woman loves so hard. She feels everything. And her heart breaks when other people hurt. And she would do anything to help anybody. Like, she is a fucking superhero. And thankfully, I see some of that in my son. And I see that she's passed that down to him. It just makes me really proud to know that I get to love somebody like that. And have family like that. It's amazing. You know, someone I remember who reminds me very much of that similar style is my mom. My mom's been through some shit. But I know that she loves me and she loves, like, aggressively when she she does. When you have my mom's love or my mom's friendship, couldn't ask for more. And, you know, to have two powerful women like that in my life, I'm super lucky. Super, super lucky. Uh, I promise Kim, by the way, guys, there'll be no more playing poker while I'm podcasting because it turns out I'm easily distracted. <laughs> what else did we talk about today? Oh, I had this like, I had this like breakthrough moment 
And it's like, when people are ugly to me, I don't binge as much. Like when people are hurting me, when they're making me feel like shit, I don't binge as much. When, And it's almost like it's because it's my comfort level. It's my comfort thing. It's something I'm used to from, you know, when I was growing up, my mom's husband would, you know, beat me, belittle me, treat me like trash. You know, that became the norm for me. So when people like are ugly to me, it honestly like replaces the need to binge. And it's like they're doing the job for me. And that can't be healthy, right? So some work to do there. I'm trying to maximize my last two weeks here. And I think hopefully once we have some direction, I'll be able to do that. But right now, like, I'm supposed to have this meeting tomorrow. And my whole goal tomorrow was to tell my therapist how much I don't trust her. And now I can't even do that. Because everyone's going to be in the room. And then, you know, I don't want to make Kim uncomfortable. So I'll have to wait till, like, Wednesday for my next appointment or Thursday. And just be like, hey... I don't trust you anymore. You sandbagged me. (laughs) It's a pretty crazy time here. Trying to figure out where I'm going, what I'm doing. And I don't get to have any say in it. I just get to kind of like listen and like either accept what they offer or go home. That's how much they give a shit. They don't want my opinion. You can either do this or go home and die. We don't care. Sometimes I think they're punishing me because I found a surgeon here. And I've made plans to, like, go down that road with them here. Which would have not really messed up my PHP. Or my IOP. Um, But they... (laughs) I think they just don't want the headache or the possible headache. So they're just like, let's just get rid of that fucker. They want to do this thing called a HIDA scan on me soon, probably within the next few days um, or week at the latest. But they're wanting to see how bad my gallbladder is and if it needs to come out before weight loss surgery. Um, their concern is though, because something I learned is the liver controls clotting and if they nick my liver while taking out my gallbladder, there's a very solid chance that I'm going to bleed out, which is why nobody will touch me. Um, because it's, uh, (laughs) it's very sketchy and obviously no one wants a death on their record. (laughs) Hate to mess up somebody's batting average and all. Um, So it's going to be tough. Like, this is one of the few surgeons that said they're even willing to try. So I got to get that HIDA scan done. And then we're going to meet with the weight loss surgeon hopefully next week. And then we have a, what's it called? A seminar on the 25th. And then I just sent them like 1,100 pages of documents. You know, like, okay, here you go. So it's a busy time. And all I got to do is sit here and be stressed and depressed until we figure out an answer, y'all.
I did want to answer some questions, some good questions that came up. Um, by the way, thanks for the feedback and just the questions. And, you know, it's just nice to know that y'all are paying attention and participating. Um, so th people wanted to know, what does PHP and IOP stand for? So PHP is Partial, partial Hospitalization Program. And basically, I would be just like I am here in this 24-hour situation. But it's only um, 7 to 3 is the programming. And then from basically 3 on, I'm, I have responsible for two snacks and my own dinner. And just kind of being on my own and getting to do things. Like if I want to go for a drive, I'm just not stuck, you know, in a building all day. IOP is basically the same as uh, PHP. Um, but the difference is you're only there for like four hours. So basically you go from 12 hours of observation to eight hours to four hours to titrate down. So you can kind of slide back into the real world without going crazy. And, uh, but IOP is only four hours. It's usually like three to 7 PM, but then you have like from seven all the way to three the next day, uh, to yourself. Uh, so it allows you to kind of work on being alone, making your own food, you know, shopping, preparing the right portions, all that good stuff. And you still have the support. So if you're struggling, you can go to your therapist or one of the other team members and, you know, hey, I'm having a hard time. And they'll help you put a plan in place to get that all fixed. Um... Also, someone asked, how long am I going to be in here? Well, that is a great question. Uh, right now, uh, March 2nd, um, they're looking for another PHP that can better handle me, I guess, or closer to home. And I know they're thinking about a place in Cleveland. I heard they're talking about a place in Columbus. So, I don't know. But I should be out of here by March 2nd-ish. And then go to PHP and IOP and then figure it out. But honestly, I'm hoping that we maybe move here or we find a way if I, we don't move here that we can afford, which <laughs> literally can't happen. Like, this is no, there's no situation where I see it happening, but it'd be nice to find a way to afford staying here in like a, a apartment or something so that we could uh, continue with the surgery stuff, but uh, that's probably the least likely. It's just very difficult to imagine us affording two households. Um, I don't know what apartments run here, but, you know, nothing's cheap these days. And yeah, so again, I appreciate y'all asking the questions. And if you're listening to this, please hit that subscribe button. Like us, follow us, share us, give us five stars because we're fucking awesome. And I promise not to play poker anymore while podcasting. And I think that's a fair trade-off. Just my humble opinion. <clears throat> oh, I just want to tell you before I... Uh, sign off here tonight about this uh how strong this is this e my eating disorder is today 
I literally would have, like, done anything for a Coke. My stress level, my depression was to a point where all I wanted was a Coke. Like, I would have, like, I talked about, like, taking my keys and driving down to the gas station to get a Coke. I talked about walking down to the gas station to get a Coke. I even asked my therapist if I could have an extra Coke. And uh, not my therapist, but my... uh dietitian and they shot that shit down and I'm telling you I was so mad at him for making me sit in this ugliness and I was like I just want five seconds of relief and they made me sit in it and it was good for me to have to do that I recognize that I recognize honestly that I that I realize I can do hard things and I can deal with it without it but in the moment when I was asking for it I was so pissed when they were shooting me down I'm like you don't even hear me you don't even know the day I'm having. I still think that's true. I think really maybe Kim's about the only person can even fathom the day I was having. I don't I've never had a day this bad. This much depression, this much sadness, this much hopelessness. And all I wanted was a Coke and everybody turned me down. And I, the anger that brought me was so real and visceral, like Thankfully, I stopped myself from saying anything, but oh my God, in my head, I was cussing everybody out. Like, what the fuck, people? Let me live. Let me live. All right, I'm going to get off here. It's been fun. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Let you know what happened in our meeting. And thank you for listening. Until next time, this has been Matt Pearson, the Pearson Mind Podcast.